right? So as day one, it's so important to have a really clear understanding of what your end goal is. Yes. Even if your end goal is 365 days. I've not, since I was 16, decided to go, okay, hey, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to give myself 365 days to do it. Welcome to the Agent Success Podcast, where we talk about how to grow, prosper, and innovate in your real estate business. Learn how to find your ideal client, generate leads, and convert more sales from other agents in the business. My name is Brooke. I'm your host, and I hope you gain a ton of value from today's episode. Let's go. So taking it back a little bit, just like a bit of brief history on you, how long have you been a real estate agent? So I got my license February of 2017. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? (laughs) Wait, okay. So we got here June of 2016. I decided September of 2016, I'm going back to work because I was a stay-at-home mom for three years. I had done sales before that. And my three-year-old bless her (laughs) I was like girl we need to we need to learn and meet other people (laughs) Um, so September I decided I wanted to get into real estate and I will tell you that the reason I was catapulted into real estate was was because we had a bad experience with not having an agent I Mm. thought I can do it all Mm. I could not (laughs) and so I learned really quickly I did not want to have any military family go through this again so I decided that September 2016 by December of 2016 I was taking classes in Nashville and by February of 2017 I had my license Mm. and so that is almost seven years I'll be seven years in February but I really think that years in real estate is dog years (laughs) because you know you talk about how long have you been doing real estate? You t- you know, the amount of agents that have been doing this for 20 years is only like 0.05%. Like it's a very small amount of years. Yeah. Not just because it's usually a second career choice, you know, and I don't know if you saw this per NAR, our National Association of Realtors, our average age is 62. Hmm. Did you know that? Like it's just I knew older. it was up there, yeah. yeah. And so it's just usually a second year, you know, second career choice, yeah. but also because it's hard. Right. You know, and most of your realtors are expected to last about 18 months. It, there has to be heart, body and soul into it because it's just a different level of expertise and a different level of dedication. Yeah, a thousand percent. So you tried to buy a house without an agent when you moved here or? Yes. Yeah. So we, or you did successfully. We yeah, Not successfully. Not I, successfully. Mean, we, I mean, we closed it. <laughs> we closed it. We lived in it. But A, I should have come to see the house so the house was purchased sight unseen wow had i come up here and had found a buyer's agent you know we don't pay our buyer's agents like it's not an out-of-pocket cost to us so why didn't i use that service (laughs) right and so like just learning the process i mean i talk about going into your space of recharge right our house is supposed to be the space that we recharge that's why it should always be clean that's why it should always be you know, clear of clutter, because if you can't recharge there, where are you going to recharge? Right. And so like going into this house for two years in a row until I finally was like, Keith, I can't, you know, (laughs) I told my husband, I was like, I can't, this is, this reminds me of every bad decision that I've made. And so that really catapulted me into real estate because I just did not want any other family to go through that. Like I wanted a family to be able to call me from Japan, Alaska, Hawaii and go, Angie, can you find us a house? Absolutely. I will be your boots on ground. Mm-hmm. I will tell you what the house smells like. 
looks like, you know, all those little things that you can't tell from pictures. I mean, we have a great photography company here in Clarksville, and these uh, pictures all look amazing. And then when you get to the house, you're like, ah, what's that cat smell? Right. Yeah. So that's why. And you also told me that you saw potential here in Clarksville, right? Because you were at a different duty station. Yes. And when you moved here, you were really inspired in that way about the real estate market. Right. So yeah. we came from Pooler, Georgia, which is Savannah, Georgia. And what we noticed in our nine years there was that the market grew, especially off of Exit 104 in Pooler. And so there was like a super Walmart that went in and a Sam's and a Mellow Mushroom and a Tanger Outlet. So we saw how that affected the value of our home. Mm-hmm. And so when I got here, I was like, oh, I see a pattern. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're able to identify patterns and act on it, there's some people that I can identify, but do not act on it, right? Can identify a pattern and act on it at the right time and go, this is not going to last long. So it was almost immediate when I started my real estate career that I also started with intentions of investing. Mm. There was a two-year delay because, as we know, in sales and commission-only sales, you have to have two years of taxes for you to be able to get approved for a loan. But from day one, the intent was to also invest. Mm. And not every agent's like that. So that's amazing that you had that vision. And so early on in your career, you're getting started. You had a bad experience. You also saw the potential here. Um, what did kind of like your first year of real estate really look like for you just getting started? So I had, I was going to say auditioned. I had interviewed with a really popular, uh, team and I really liked them. It was a four hour interview. I really liked them, Wow! but it was, it, it didn't feel right. Mm. And so the third, the Friday before I was supposed to start with them on Monday, I, by miracle, I had another interview with another team for the same brokerage. And that felt right. And so I called them, you know, and I apologize. I'm so sorry. I won't be able to come in on Monday. I'm going to start with another team. Uh, So my first year was with one of the top producing teams here in Clarksville. And so we, that gave us the ability, that gave me the ability to do the open houses because they did a lot of new construction And so we did 30 hours a week of open houses. And that's when I learned that you can run your open houses five days a week, that there isn't really a day of the week that's better because you're going to get a sale on Wednesday. You can get a sale on Monday. It just happens to be when you're there. Well, then be there. (laughs) And so that also for me in my first year of real estate, creating my brand because I did not want to be on a team for longer than a year. Right. So you have to have the foresight. Like I had the foresight that I wanted to invest. I had the foresight that I only wanted to be in this team for a year. So that comes to say you can love what you're doing, but still want some work towards something else and want something more for yourself. Right. So as day one, it's so important to have a really clear understanding of what your end goal is. Yes. Even if your end goal is 365 days, I've not since I was 16, decided to go, okay, hey, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to give myself 365 days to do it. So if you have that, just that initial sense of what commitment entails, yeah, commitment entails a year at minimum. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, let me go through all the seasons in everything that you do. Let me go through all the seasons and learning anything new. Like I was just telling my son, hey, I think I'm becoming a green thumb because I haven't killed any plants lately (laughs) and they're actually like thriving. Yeah. But I'm not going to call my green thumb until we go through all seasons. 
And that's, that's good. You know, that's the 365 day commitment. But anyway, going back to my first year in real estate. So knowing that I had 365 days committed to this team, mm -hmm. I wanted to create a brand that I can walk into. So there are some teams that do not allow that because you're working for the team. You're, you know, the Rainmaker's name is very important. But I was just really, really lucky with this team that they were they, they were there to develop your wings so that you can fly. Yeah. You know, they were okay with that. And so from day one, I used that time at the open houses to develop that. Like I used that time in the four hours a day or six hours a day in open houses to not open my computer and watch TV, but it was to open my computer and edit a video. So the open houses, all I brought was my selfie stick. You know, that, <laughs> which is crazy because there's so many people that do cookies and water, da, 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 da. Like, dude, I don't want you sitting over here dripping, drinking coffee and all that. Like, I want you to talk to me. I want you to walk through the house. Yeah. I want to take notes and really, really pay attention to what your needs are instead of you being distracted because you just want a cookie. That's really good. So the team that you joined, was that primarily their method? And so they told you you should do this? Yeah. So that was part of the commitment to being on that team was okay. that you have to, you know, be at the open houses. Okay. And I remember my husband was military, you know, and he was deploying all the time there. Right. And I looked at my team lead. It's a husband and wife. And I looked at my team lead and I was like, I should. I don't know what to do. Like it costs so much money to get a babysitter so I can do these open houses. And she looked at me and she goes, would you rather spend a little money now hmm. and figure that out so that you can make more money later? And so like having that foresight of like, yes, let's go ahead and get a babysitter for right now. Yeah. So that we can build this machine. So good. So your first year in real estate to give you a visual of it, you know, as an analogy, you're like taking that, wheelbarrow that that wheel up the mountain it really stinks like it's yeah. not comfortable you right. sweat yeah. you know like it's really uncomfortable and then uh, if you don't realize that what you're doing is planting seeds you're never going to see that garden you know what I'm saying so like your first year should be your internship year that's what I called it I called it my internship year I was learning I was going to the office to ask other agents questions like I had my question of the day like <laughs> what would you do different in mm. your first year in real estate you just ask everybody that yeah like all your the rainmakers who yeah. I would see coming in and out yeah you know like what would you do different how was your first year how many did you sell in your first year like I was always curious that's good because who else would I learn from of course yeah when you when you took the jump and you got the babysitter <clears throat> I'm sure that was uncomfortable like yes financially yeah and you're like okay um you had to bet on yourself you probably didn't think that maybe you'd see results right away either so you're like betting long term like I have the confidence in myself to make this happen right to pay for this babysitter and to make it worth it that probably put even more of a fire under you too yeah and you know here's the funny thing because the first team that I interviewed with the guy said, um, your husband is military. You know, he's a higher enlisted military. You guys have money. You're well taken care of. How do I know that you have the money motivation? You know? And anybody looking at this from the outside is like, she doesn't need to work. She's fine. But there is a fire within me that speaks not just for myself, but speaks for my children's children. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about a legacy. 
that I want to leave, that I'm changing generational wealth for my family. That just happens to be my fire. And it burns so intensely that I'm like, yeah, we had, you know, there's money coming in. I was a stay-at-home mom for three years. That's wonderful. That's awesome. So grateful for that. But there's something out there that's very powerful that has my name on it. That's the why. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the why, the pull, the push. You're talking about something that just pulls you out of bed, that pushes you into the shower, right? That yeah. pulls you into the car, that yeah. pushes you to work, you know? And so there, it, to me, you know, that's very vague for your children's children. Are you serious? Like, that's so vague, right? But at, at the end of the day, if I take steps backwards, I go, well, that also means that I'm teaching my children how to live not just for themselves, but for their children. That also means that the steps I make today bring me comfort tomorrow, mm. you know? So you have this really, really clear vision of what five years looks like, what 10 years looks like. When my mother passed away the year she was supposed to retire at 60, yeah, I was like, uh-uh, I'm not retiring at 60. No, ma'am. <laughs> That's just so, so sad. And also, like, you hear of people retiring and then they go and do the things that they always wanted to yeah. do but at that point you're like old and not able-bodied and you don't have the same you have limitations now right. that you didn't before maybe you have all the time in the world but now you're you can't do those things and it's a trap honestly that's just how you you have to be smarter than that and you have to be motivated to make it happen but it, it is unfortunately the reality for a lot of people and it is a shame and so the open houses you mentioned you didn't bring anything with you but like a selfie stick and yes <laughs> you weren't wasting time at the open houses right. you were you know working so like if you're there you're being productive on your computer and you mentioned you didn't bring like cookies snacks things like that like you just wanted to work and show them the house and work the clients and stuff and so were you alone typically when you do the open houses or was it like a team of you there no I was alone mm -hmm. and so here I'll walk you through my typical day because okay. I got it I got to the point that you were signing a buyer's representation agreement before you left. Mm. So that's how efficient my open houses became for me, right? So when I was there, if there was nobody walking in, I was writing a script for anything that I can work on that I could make a quick video about or post, right? So I was planning my week's post. I was writing a script for something. I was recording myself with my selfie stick, taking pictures, I was not doing anything that was not real estate related. So if I was on Facebook, again, I was posting, da, da, da. But when you came in, the reality is I'm not selling you this house. Mm -hmm. I'm not selling you this four bedroom and a bonus house outside your price range that you wanted to stop and use the bathroom. Right. I'm selling you me. I'm selling you my services. I'm selling you that I will guide, protect, and educate you, right? So I want you to know that, but how would I let you know that? by listening, mm. by really, really getting to know you and listening. If I come right off the bat and go, my name is Angie Morales Lang, and I have this much experience, and I can do this for you, and I could da 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 you're, you're just hearing the spiel. Yeah. But if I take my time and go, oh, I see that you stopped at this dining room. You guys have a big family? Mm. You know, because I want you to envision Thanksgiving in that dining room. This dining room is a little bit further away from the kitchen. It sounds like it has that you have a big family. Would you all be hanging out the kitchen? This kitchen's probably too small, right? Mm. What's your ideal kitchen? 
And so you have them fantasizing about this new space that they want to go for and they feel heard and they feel seen for the first time ever. That's good. And I'm behind them and I'm going, I'm going to take down notes. I want to make sure that we find you the right things. Can I take down the kids' names? Because now we're going into you're not just a client and you're not just somebody that's coming in. Now I'm getting to know you and I'm getting to know your kids' names. And next time I see you, I'll know this is little Sherry and this is little Bobby, right? And so those are the things that really matter at the end of the day because everybody just wants to be heard and wants to be seen. So when you're walking out, you're going, okay, guys, I see that you guys, this house is way too big for you. But looking at the price range and me knowing the market and our inventory, I bet you I can find three houses to check out later today. You know, so then the conversation continues. Or even if it's not something that they're looking for and they're looking six months down the road, you're going, I know our inventory and our PCS season six months down the road sounds amazing because it's going to work out for you even better. Mm. Let me go ahead and set you up with our auto notification via email because if you see something that you love before that, we can go check it out together. Mm. You know, and so like realizing that your open houses, if you take your time and you ask the right questions and you listen, right? Because that's why we got two ears and one mouth. If we listen more than we talk, then you'll be able to really, really connect with those clients. Were you ever, literally, if someone's never held an open house before, maybe they're interested in this, what would be, like, the very first things that you'd say when they walk through the door, just thank you for stopping by? Like, do you immediately ask them if they're trying to buy a house, or kind of how would you navigate through those first few moments? So, you, of course, you thank them for coming by. Then you, you have your first question that we should always ask. Are you, ready, are you already working with an agent? Are you working with an agent? So if they say no... Of course, you know, you want to continue the conversation. If you say yes, I still show them around. I just know, A, I have time, right? So I'm going to work on asking the right questions. I'm going to work. So it's still an opportunity for me to work, yeah. right? I know that I can leave them alone if another person comes in. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I'm still working. I'm still training myself. Now, if they don't have an agent, then you're not going to go, oh, I'm the agent for you. You're going to go, oh, okay, that sounds good. Well, tell me why you stopped in today. Are you looking to purchase a home in the near future or are you just curious? And then there are some, you've heard the buyers are liars. See, <laughs> I've always felt bad about that, but there is some reality in it. <laughs> and they may say we're not looking, but then if you continue the conversation because you know you're going to treat everybody the same. Yeah you might find out that they're really pre-approved and looking to buy because they're A-list buyers, right? Which means they need to buy within the next 30 days. So even if that question comes up, don't trust it. Mm. Continue that conversation. Okay, so you guys are looking in six months. Why don't we make a list of things that you like about this property and what you could potentially look for in the next six months? Let's walk around. Here, let me show you. And you're going to tour them. You know, obviously a kitchen is a kitchen, right? (laughs) But if you tour them the right way and allow them to speak and, you know, the little kid is going, mom, grandma loves to cook. You know, you're going to catch those little things and go, oh, is grandma here? Oh, she's going to be living with you. Okay, so you would prefer a ranch home? Mm. No stairs or is she, you know, is she good to go upstairs you need a a primary bedroom on the main floor oh you need two primaries on the main floor you're already like listening right and so you continue the conversation based on what their family is talking about instead of you trying your hardest to lead the conversation yeah 
And so you're doing these prompt questions. I see that you guys don't, you have two little ones. Does it bother you to have the master downstairs and the rest upstairs? Mm. Oh, yeah, that would make me so scared. Okay, well, let's go upstairs because I think I have another one in our inventory. Mm. Girl, our inventory is all the MLS. <laughs> Everything is my inventory. Right. I can sell you anything in the MLS. Right. So I, I know our inventory. And that's another thing to look up while you're there. Why are you not checking out every house in every subdivision? Yeah. Why do you not know every street in every subdivision? You have the time. I know some of these open houses, nobody comes in. Why are you not looking at the 188 homes in this price range that are available and which one's the prettiest and which one's not? Sure. You know, so again, so the to go back to the open house questions, if you were the first time doing open houses, it's just asking open-ended questions that prompt them to talk about their family and their needs. Yeah. If you discover that, um, you know, you have a house in mind maybe that is more suitable for them, how often would it be that you'd actually be able to get them to go tour other houses with you that day? Is that pretty common or like later in that week maybe? Like how soon, how common would it be that very soon after you'd have, you know, additional interactions with Girl, them like time that? time is of the essence, like this. I will tell you the first sale that I made, I closed it 45 days after getting my real estate license. This couple came from Korea. We're at open house at Sunset Meadow. I know that my teen leads are sticklers for not shutting down an open house. Like you stay there, you tell your clients that you will see them after the, this allotted amount of time that we've dedicated to the open house. So if you're working from 12 to four, you're there from 12 to four. And these mm. people come in at like three o'clock. And um, we only have three days to, to find a house. You know, we just came from Korea. We don't know the area again. I'm fresh. I'm new to open houses, but I can identify yeah. an opportunity. Right. And I said, oh, really? I said, what's your price range? How many bedrooms do you need? What area do you want? Yeah. I'm going to show you exactly what we have. And it was not the builders open. It wasn't in that subdivision. Right. I knew because I knew our inventory. Again, that's what I dedicated my time to is knowing our inventory. I knew that there was something off of Summerfield. And if you know Sunset Meadows, which is further down Tiny Town and Summerfield, which is off of Tylertown, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit of a hike. And I'm thinking, I can't wait till close this at four o'clock. They're going to find another open house with another willing agent and they're going to go with them. Mm -hmm. I go, give me five minutes to close down this open house and we'll go together. Wow. Because, again, you have to be able to identify are my teen leads going to be mad at me for making a sale and closing this down? Right. Will they ever know that it's an hour difference, you know? So you got to be able to identify opportunity when you can and close shop. Girl, close shop. Let's go. Let's go right now. You want to go see a house? Let's go. You know, so to me, that's an easy decision to make because, again, it comes down to having such a clear roadmap in front of you that these are my goals, that when you have a – fork in the road of where should I do, what should I do next, what's my next decision, you just look at your map. You said, well, just out of curiosity, would you typically hold one open house a day at like one particular location? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard of people doing like one in the morning, one in the afternoon, like two different locations. So that's why I was asking. That's a nice dedication, but yeah. No, yeah. Just one. <laughs> 
And you said that you were doing this all week long. So Monday through Friday, for example, or whatever, you're there like 30 hours in the week. You know, you're dedicated to sitting at an open house, potentially having, you know, those people come in. Would you put up signs like for the open house? And what did kind of the setup look like or the takedown? So this particular open house that we had, again, it was the builder's open house. And I will tell you, even though I'm saying I had a builder's open house, which essentially is like their model house, you can still achieve this without having that builder connection. You can still go to all of your listing agents, all your rainmakers and your brokerage, or even outside of your brokerage, mm -hmm. really, yeah. because everybody wants to sell a dang house, you know, and go, hey, can I sit at your open house? And at the um, Sunday night, schedule yourself for four open houses and hold them four to six hours each, okay? Mm -hmm. So you can have 30 hours a week of open houses without a model home. Yeah. I know this because I've done it, yeah. okay? So, yes, the model home was there. Um, we had to put out the flags in the front, and then we would have signs coming into that. If I were to, and I, and I have done open houses recently, the signs to navigate to that road are still a necessity. A flag is always nice to have in the front, but it is crucial, not just that, it is crucial to have it on your MLS. So if your listing agent does not add that open house to the MLS, it doesn't matter if you have balloons, fireworks, flags, you're not going to get as many people as the people that travel around looking through Zillow and looking through all these other websites to see where the open houses are. Yeah. So always be sure that your listing agent has it on the MLS, and that's that's number one. How long did you do that like that? Uh, the first year. The whole first year, and then mm -hmm. after that, what did your first year look like as far as like Close sales. For close sales, I had 12 that closed and 12 under contract for the following year. So again, my, you know, when I sat with the team leads for the initial interview, it was like most agents close once a month, that's 12 a year. And in my head automatically, I was like, well, then I'll sell 24 the first year. <laughs> but that's, again, that's just me. That's just who I am. You know, that's just some, you know, I've come to realize that a lot of the characteristics that, that have success in real estate also are just people that have that fire in life. Like yeah. I wake up excited to be alive. You don't wake up to be excited to be alive. You know, there has to be a reset somewhere. Yeah. So anyway, the first year was 12 under contract for the following year and 12 closed. When you set that goal, just out of curiosity, was it harder than you thought it was going to be? Because I think I've heard a lot of people say that they want to do 12 their first year, but I don't know if they underestimate maybe what that actually takes. Was your expectation that it was going to be extremely hard or did it turn out to be harder than you thought and you had to like shift your mindset a little bit or your efforts? Um, I truly believe in manifesting, believing before you see it, right? So like to me, for you to be able to waive my goal, it, it literally will take up a huge bomb you know like it just takes something catastrophic for me to shift my initial goal so did anything shift that 24 closing no like I and no I didn't close 24 in my first year I had 12 under contract for the following year which to me was checking it off the list right so um did I find that it was harder than I thought yeah because there is you're dealing with people you're dealing with people in the biggest transaction of their life so the the 
the hardship did not come from getting the clients and getting the sale. The hardship came from, oh, damn, this is hard. Right. Like, you are delivering bad news. You are delivering delays. You are delivering, you know, seller change your mind, buyer change your mind. You know, you're delivering so much bad news that weighs on you. Yeah. So the biggest change I had to make the first year is learning how not to take things personal which again is one of my favorite books about the four agreements. You talk about not taking things personal, being impeccable with your word, always doing your best. Um, and I always forget that fourth one, which is awful to say, but I've never read that. Oh, well, so I can't help, but that yeah, sounds yeah. good. <laughs> it's the four agreements, but taking, not taking things personal. When he talks about it in the book, he goes to the extreme that if somebody is holding a gun to your head, you know that it's not because of you. Wow. Okay. And so that is, and I read that book at 18 and it shifted my life. And there's been a lot of things at a very young age that shifted my mentality to be able to take on things like hardships like that, that go, yeah, this is going to pass. This isn't because of me, you know? So if, you know, you develop tough skin in the real estate market for sure, just because it is what it is. But you also have the ability to go, this is a transaction. We're going to get my people in this house eventually. I have to deliver this bad news, but it's all going to work out. Yeah. That's such a good point. Someone that's maybe inexperienced doesn't realize all of the hardships that come along with this job. They think that finding clients is hard, which it can be, but... You're so right about that. That's such a good point. I haven't heard anybody make that on the podcast yet. How did you come up with Angie Loves Clarksville? Like that oh, yeah. idea, like tell me what that, how that came about. So Angie Cl Loves Clarksville came from the first year's branding. So that came with the intention of, I'm not just going to sell you a house. I'm going to show you around town. Mm. I'm going to make you feel comfortable. I'm going to find your tribe for you. I'm going to find you the best restaurants. I'm going to find you the best places to have fun. Yeah. And so because what do we know about social media? The people that provide the most value are the ones that get the most followers. How can I provide you value if you've never been to Clarksville? By teaching you about Clarksville. So Angie Loves Clarksville was basically to say... I can sell you a house, but <laughs> I also will show you around town. Yeah. I'm going to provide a different kind of value for you because, you know, and I, and now my I've changed my branding to Angie Morales Link Realtor and kind of dropped the Angie Loves Clarksville. But from the beginning, it was really important to have because I wanted I wanted to provide something more. I kept seeing other real estate agents really, really just push house, 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 house. And it was like, man, that's the only thing you do, bro. <laughs> why don't really you tell me? Good. Why don't you tell me where the best pizza is? Oh man, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. And so, how would you? I love that you see that all the time. Like, or it's just closed or just listed, yes. which is great too, yeah. because you're doing business. You want to let them know that you're a professional and that you are, you know, on top of your game. But show me something else. Yeah. Like, I think that that's so good. How can you add value? What does that look like today for you? How has that changed, you know, now, if, if you are still making that kind of content or pushing out content, like how do you come up with it now, maybe so many years later? So now my attention has gone into investing into Clarksville. So I show them the, the changes that I'm making in Clarksville. So, right. You take a historic building 
you say we're going to bring the historic value back up on it this is what we are planning for Clarksville this is how excited we are about loving our city or you know we we do a lot of push for the pink house and the OC house and our next project but only because the focus I want to become Yes, Angie still loves Clarksville. And I love it so much, you guys, that I'm doing the investments where they need to be, which Mm -hmm. is our downtown area. That's good. And so the value is still there. Um, It's not quite as fun as, you know, doing the videos of the restaurants and stuff, you know. But but I still do the storyline of what I had for lunch. I still do post of any new, you know, lunch places that I've gone to. That's still there. But I feel for new agents, it's just really important for them to not just brand themselves, but be really hyper-focused on what kind of client they want to attract, right? So if you sit down and take five minutes to tell me what your ideal client is, then you are going to be able to place your social media videos and your posts and make it directly to that demographic, right? So if you want a fun-loving family or maybe you want divorcees because you recently are divorcee and you feel like you can hold their hand or you want to deal with, you know, family members that are welcoming grandparents that want to live close because that's your age group. Like decide on who it is that you want to attract. That will help you figure out what kind of videos you're making. Right. So like if you're marketing to an age group of 60 plus, go to the golf course, you know, where are they hanging out? You know, what are your best golf courses? And so it's not just house, 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 because we can offer so much more than that. Tell me the best agents that are out there. They're the ones that you can text them at any point and go, hey, do you have somebody that can help me replace these baseboards? Do you have somebody that can help me with um, landscaping? Like that's the kind of agent that I want that knows everybody in this town that has a vendor list that can help you and provide value after the home sale. Before the home sale, I want you to show me everything about this community. That's really good. Uh, Who was your niche when you were doing Angie Loves Clarksville? Like who was your ideal client? My babies, like the new first-time home buyers, military families that weren't here. Like those, because that's where we were. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a two-year-old and we had a six-year-old when we first got here. Like those are the families that I wanted to educate and protect. And those are the families that I wanted to teach them about finances. Mm -hmm. Those are the families that I wanted to teach them about how important investing in yourself in the real estate market is. Because when you go to sell your house, instead of having to get your deposit back and fight for your deposit, you're actually getting a check, you know, like get excited about that. So that was when I was, I was writing Angie Loves Clarksville and really, really creating that brand. That's who I was thinking of. That's so good. You mentioned that in the beginning of your career, you knew that you wanted to get into investing. Right. It sounds like that was always the goal and you kind of just kept that in mind and kept pushing for it. Um, I'm curious, like, did you have a plan? What were kind of like your goals as far as buying properties or like saving towards a down payment? Like as you were closing those commissions, do you have any like tangible steps that you took to enable yourself to invest from your business, your real estate business? So if that was a goal from day one, we had two different bank accounts. So we had the money where Keith's money went into that was for our home and our living expenses. And then we created a different account that was where my commission checks sat. And so we were able to, now we dived into those commission checks because if you're ever a military family and, (laughs) you know, life is hard. But we also had the plan that when it was time, we had the money for a down payment, right? 
And so there's a couple of things. That was number one, having the commissions go into a separate account, which was, you know, it, it worked for us. Mm. Um, and so we were able to pull when we wanted to or we had a vacation money or da, 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 anything for the kids that you, we had just not planned for. That money was there, but it wasn't always sitting in our personal account, right? Because right. what do we know? If we see money, we spend it. For sure. So we wanted to put it in a different account. And then second, we knew that that's what we were working towards. So that also meant that our taxes had to be to where they were desirable for a loan officer in two years. If you put too much stuff on your write-off list and it doesn't look like you're making crap money, guess what you're not going to get approved for in two years? So also taking that into consideration that you don't want to write everything off your first two years so that when it's time for you to hit the ground running and invest, you actually can get approved for a loan. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people talk about that, but that's really important. We all want to make sure that we're not paying as much in taxes and da 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 da. Well, dude, how are you going to get approved for that loan if it's showing that you're making six bucks? You know, <laughs> right. like the end of the day, if that's always your goal, then you take your action steps towards it. What does that also mean? That when year two hits and you have that pre-approval in hand, when you go to a listing appointment, you're also asking, can I buy this house? Not mm. can I list this house? Mm. And that's something that Gary Keller talks a lot about is go into your listing appointments with that mentality too. And so how we got that first home, that first investment property was I had just, I mean, look, just hit my two-year mark, February of 2019, right? Hit my two-year mark. I had a listing appointment for a rental property from this guy from Alaska. And I drive by and I go, oh my goodness, this is seven minutes away from my house. It's in Sango, seven minutes away from my house. My mom had just been diagnosed that February as well, okay? And I said, mom, I'm gonna buy you this house because I want you to come live with me and it's only seven minutes away from my house, okay? So I, when you have cancer, she died of pancreatic cancer. When you have cancer, the thing that keeps you alive is hope. I was gifting her hope. So yes, it just happened to align with the investment opportunity that I have always wanted and manifested, right? So I go and I call him, I go, hey, I really wanna buy this house for, for my mom. Um, can I buy it? I'll pay all the closing costs. And I, I gave him two net sheets. So he saw that he'd ma be making a little bit less money if he sold it to me, because I'm covering my behind. But he'd only have to sign on the dotted line. That's it. There is. I was buying it as is. I would not ask him to do anything. I would pay all the closing costs. It would be the easiest transaction of his life. And he was like, you're buying your mom a house? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, yes, sir. And so that was mom's house. It's still my portfolio. It's my favorite house in my portfolio. I probably will never sell it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just so important because to me it's mom's house. Yeah. But it aligned with that. And so I furnished it for her. And it was ready to go for her. And sadly, she did not make it. And so that became our first midterm rental because wow. it was already furnished, you know. And so that's how we came to produce one queen bed, one full bed, and two twin beds. Because mom's room, her mother's bedroom had the full bed, and my two kids had the twin beds. Wow. And so if you look at any of my midterms or any of my short terms, they have a queen, a full, and twins. Wow. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. That's really moving. Thank you. That's really, really great. Um, that's a lot. Now I'm like trying to digest <laughs> that. That's moving. Take your time. Oh, you know, there's something really special about my mom. You know, when you, when you have a parent pass, it happens to us. Like, 
they're older than us. Like it's going to happen, right? And you can decide to be ruined by it. But four years later, and she passed October 9th, so we're really getting into that four-year mark. I see it like, you know, I felt like I was drowning for a while. And now I see it and I look back on it and I was like, mom was just planting me and I'm blossoming. You know, like that was it. When you feel like you're drowning because somebody so special in your life is gone, <laughs> like it's devastating. But you realize after some time that you can go both ways. And I just took it as an opportunity to keep growing yeah. because of her. Yeah. That's really, really good. I do tell agents as well and I'm curious has that been the only I'm sure it's not the only experience where you presented them with both options and you ended up buying the house I do that every time okay so do you ever feel them out about their story or do you just literally present them with an offer and a listing option at every single appointment no it's just the houses that I'm interested in okay you're right so if I if I go to a listing appointment and they seem frazzled um and believe me, it's not like I'm like, oh, this is harassed. Let me see this opportunity. <laughs> it's more like, I, how can I help them? Yeah. Is this something that I can help at this time? I don't always have money. Like, it's just, it's not, I don't have those opportunities all the time. But when I do and I go, hey, it sounds like I can help you. Would you be open for me? I, I have to run some numbers so I don't do it at the listing appointment. Mm -hmm. I want to get to know you at the listing appointment. I'm a two-step listing appointment, right? So I go, hey, it seems like I can help you. It seems like selling a house to you right now and getting the house ready to list and have people in your space feels a little intrusive. Would you be open for me to present you my numbers and see if you would be willing to sell it to me in an easier fashion? They have to give me that initial yes first for me to run numbers, mm -hmm. first of all, because that's just not something that I feel comfortable doing like, hey, yeah, let's sell it, but sell it to me. You know, <laughs> like I want to make sure that it would be, again, creating value for them in their life. Would it make it easier? Sometimes people don't look for money. They look for comfort, sure. right? And so in those times, I go, hey, I come back. I have both of the numbers. Usually mine is less than, but mine also comes with purchasing as is, closing at their timeline and staying in the house in their timeline, right? Mm -hmm. And so you go, this is it. Now, I do that to cover my behind. And last time I did, you know, I did a panel at Keller Williams. They got, said, make sure that they initial that as well, which is a really good idea. But, you know, that also gives them the ability to go, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I've decided to work with you on this. Okay, awesome. Let's work together. Mm. So there really is open heart, open mind. Mm. And when you when you do business with an open heart like that, you're creating value. And so that person's going to give you another person that needs to sell their house in in quick manner, whatever the, their situation is, because they usually are running in a tribe, you know. And so, you know, that to me is most important. There are plenty of people that have plenty of success doing this just based on numbers and just being overly analytical. And I love that for them. I'm just not that person. I want to know that this suits your situation, that this is really, really exciting for you, that we can work together to make this happen, and that you know that I'm going to love your house. Mm. Because I literally love all the houses in my portfolio. There's times that I'm like, oh, I need to sell a house. And I can't because can't either I love my tenants right. and I'm not going to move them or I love the house. Yeah. 
you know, my mentor, Sid, told me, and he's so funny because he's like, why do you take me so literal? <laughs> At some point last year, he was like, Angie, we got to start buying houses for our kids. You, how, how much are these houses going to be if this continues when they get out of college? And, you know, my house, you know, and he's just telling me all this. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and within months, I had two houses right in front of Clarksville High School, you know, under contract and sold because, you know, you go into like, yeah, my mentor said this, I got to do this, you know. And so, like, it just happened to be that that thought arose. Right. And then the manifestation came because when I try to manifest something, I'm, I'm so clear about it, like so clear about it that it comes into fruition. Right. The belief is there before I see it. And so that's also important, too, that you're creating your own opportunities. Because if you listen to everybody in our market right now, you, it usually sounds like, oh, I think I'm going to stop flipping. There's just not a lot of deals out there. You go, cool. That's cool. And then you go in the car and you go, there's so many deals out there. I live in abundance. <laughs> I'm so grateful. <laughs> How do you, you've mentioned manifestation a few times. Um, I'm with it. I'm curious, like, you you set your intention you make a man you set a goal have a manifestation you're like this is what i want i'm crystal clear i'm going to visualize i'm going to write it down i'm going to do all the things i'm going to share it with my you know friends and family and they all know this is where i'm headed do you feel like as a result of that you're then more open to just seeing opportunities or how do you feel like it unfolds after you do set that intention so i think and you're talking about the variables that are needed in manifestation, which is all wonderful. And there's also an element of faith of, you know, you've heard me say it a couple of times, believing it before you see it. There's an element of just so much faith and so much belief and not, and it's really hard because guess what? There's two questions that are not answered when you're manifesting, how and when. Mm -hmm. The universe will not tell you those things. You know, if I want to manifest X, I can't go, and this is how. Right. You go, it's up to you. You'll figure it out to the universe, right? And then when, it's up to you. You figure it out when. And so I just have this unwavering faith that it's going to happen, that when it's presented, I can identify it, right? You've heard that joke of uh, the guy that's trapped on the roof, and he goes, you know, in the first the first um, boat comes by, you know, the, the, hey, man, get on the boat. No, no, God's going to save me. God's going to save me. Uh, okay. Then the helicopter comes. Get on the helicopter. No, no, God's going to save me. God sent you, you know, three saviors right, right there. Like, why didn't you see the opportunity? And there's so many people that miss that opportunity right in their face that they ask for it, whether they believe it's too good to be true or they don't have that faith or they just don't have the ability to identify the opportunity, that it's just gone. It's gone, you know? And so just having that belief that it will show up, that when it does show up, you say, oh, thank you, <laughs> you know? How do you, uh, I'm gonna shift gears, I'm gonna ask you like one final question and we're gonna wrap this up, but on the manifestation bit, um, when you decide you wanna manifest something, can you tell me what that looks like? Like what your process of like, do you have quiet time to like sit and think about it and then write it down? Like, what do I want? Or does it just kind of pop into your head and you're like, oh, that's it. I want that. Uh, there is different processes. So let's take the pink house into consideration. So the pink house is something that I manifested. So it was on my vision board. And I love talking about my vision board because the placement on my vision board is very, very important. Okay. And I'll tell you why. 
So I write a vision board. I have this pink house, and this was in 2018, right? It's literally a pink house. Yeah, it's on Crossland. It's called the pink house. I know the pink house, but on your vision board? Oh, yes, yes. I'll send you a picture. I'll send you a (laughs) picture of it. So it's a pink house, and it has a teal door white trim, and it was on the beach. Wow. And I still have my vision boards. I keep all my vision boards. And I place my vision board in front of my toilet. And it is right there. I have a water room. You know, I have a little toilet room. You can put it on top of your toilet. You can put it on front of the TV. You don't need to watch TV. So I have it in front of my toilet. Because every morning when I wake up, I know what steps I'm going to take. Right? So instead of being on my phone, I'm, I'm intentionally looking at everything on my vision board. So my vision board looks very different now. That's so good. And not just that, but then when I have time to meditate, which I speak a lot about silence because silence is God's, really God's noise right there. When you're in silence, you're able to think clearly about this, you know, and of course your mind goes into all different places. But when you have the visual, I'm a real visual person. When you have the visual right there to bring you back, it's easier. And then, of course, journaling. But then, of course, you declare things yours. You know, the last house that we bought, which is a storybook cottage, our next project, for the year, for a whole year, I would pass by that house and I would go, you're mine. Hey, baby girl, you're mine. I love you. You're mine. And I would declare it mine every time. And so when, when the owner said, hey, I offered it to somebody else first, and only if they say no will you be able to get it, I wasn't mad. I literally was confused. <laughs> I was like, but it's mine because I have this faith, this unwavering faith of this is mine. I don't understand. This is mine. I had declared it mine. And I know it seems a little cocky, but honestly, that's just how I function. Like this thing is is mine. I announced it. I declared it. I believed it. I unwavering faith. And it comes with effort, too, because I work towards that. Right. And so it blew my mind that the next day he said, hey, I decided not to sell it to them. I want you to have it because you love it and you're going to keep it in your portfolio. And, you know, like he saw how much I love this house. And again, it comes down to what exactly did I. And I know that's what you're asking. What exact steps did you take to manifest X, Y, Z? If I were to give you a or write you something, and these are the variables, it would first be a clear understanding of what you want. So there's a conch pearl on my vision board this year. (laughs) It's small, but it's rare, a conch pearl. I have three flip properties. I have $15 million in sales. I have um, Portugal, Spain, time with my sisters, intentional life lessons with the kids, and 135 pounds. which is um that was my happy weight you know and real estate does that to you so I've already lost 10 pounds we're 10 pounds closer to that right and so to me that's step number one having a really clear vision of what you want step two is to give your time and allow yourself time throughout the day not just to concentrate so not just to think about the pink house or the 135 pounds but also have the emotion associated with it. When I thought of that house on Cumberland, I was excited. I was in love. The emotion connected to the thought, okay? And I also participate in gratefulness and joy every day. And when you participate in those feelings, you're in the highest frequency. And when you're in the highest frequency, you're able to manifest at a different level. 
Okay. So having that knowledge that daily you can escalate yourself up to joy and gratefulness. And dude, how easy is that? Thank you for the opportunity to meet with Brooke. Thank you for the opportunity to stop at Sam's and go, hey, girl. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But those are the little things. If you are thankful every day for everything that's in front of you, when you don't have anything to pray for, you go, thank you for the food on the table. Thank you for the roof on my head. And thank you for the people that love me around me. Mm. Right? And that's when you don't have anything to say. Imagine when you do have something to be grateful for. You're just like, oh, my God, thank right. you for the hot coffee. I loved it. And so those are so that has to do with it as well, the manifesting emotion to it. And then having the effort. The effort means I'm saving my money. I'm shopping at Goodwill because I have houses to buy. I am making financial decisions that make sense so that when an opportunity arises, I'm there. I'm working with my lead generation so I have the money to do these projects, right? So then you align your efforts. And when you have A plus B plus C, then you always have that manifestation. That's so good. You love it? I love you. (laughs) Like, you are amazing. I love that energy. I'm right there with you with the gratitude and everything. As you're talking, it's making me think of Think and Grow Rich. I don't know if that ever influenced you in your line of thinking, which kind of ties into my last question. You mentioned uh, The Four Agreements. Yes. I haven't read that book. It sounds really good. I am curious, like, I know you're big on self-development, personal development, a couple books that you might recommend maybe that have been, like, the most, you know, transformative to you or just more or less, you know, those pivotal books. So definitely the ones that I are the base of, uh, you know, my of who I am and the essence of who I am is the four agreements. Uh, And that's Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, And then we have Think and Grow Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, How to Influence People and Friends. Um, Jen Sincero did a great book, uh, You Are a Badass. I thought that was awesome. I read that one. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, but yeah, anything that you can think of on, on on that level. But I will tell you that in the mornings, I don't listen to music to get ready. I go to YouTube and I switch from Dr. Joe uh, Dispenza, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Gabby Bernstein. These are spiritual developments, mm. right? Because as we grow we can't leave out our spiritual selves. Mm -hmm. And even in that, we can't leave out our our physical selves. I do my closet stretches in the morning and that's stretching and welcoming my body to the day. And so it is a combination of mind, body, and soul to say, I welcome and I'm grateful for this new day. So it's not just books, but it's also those opportunities to listen to those voices. It's gotten to the point that if I'm feeling anxious, I literally just go to YouTube and, and put on Dr. Wayne Dyer and his voice, even though I've heard it a million times before, his voice calms me. So being able to identify who does that for you, does Joe Rogan do that for you? Does Les Brown do that for you? Does Tony Robbins do that for you? Like who does that for you? Abraham Hicks, her voice is a little too pitchy for me, but you know, these are all the things. I mean, there's so much spiritual and motivating and I mean everything that you can ever want is on YouTube why would you wreck your head with TikTok and Facebook in the mornings when you can welcome the day with journaling and stretching and podcasts that inspire you you know yeah I love it those people they all remind me it's making me think of I don't know if you know Bob Proctor also but Mm -hmm. he was like one of the first people uh someone had introduced me to him and that opened up my mind like that was one of those pivotal moments for me I was 19 years old but 
I just listening to you speak, that was going to be my last question. I have a bonus <laughs> question. Um, you are very positive. You appear to be very positive. I know that that's something that takes effort and it's intentional because we're human. Right. But like, what do you do if you get tripped up, you have a negative occurrence or you do, you know, maybe have awareness that you're having negative thoughts? Like, how do you remain positive? I'm sure those, you know, um, routines have a lot to do with it. But any so, advice there? Yeah. And I will tell you, I'm a. I am an optimist. I was born an optimist. My serotonin levels are still a little bit higher. And I know this because I have two sisters. <laughs> and so I have, you know, I have that little bit of comparison of I was just born a little happier, mm. you know. And so I have that. But I also have tools in place. So when you're talking about how, if you feel anxiety, which everybody does, and that's me included, how do you deal with it? These are my tools that I just used two days ago. We have two projects and a big commercial project going on. Guess what? I'm broke, you know? And so I don't even like saying those words because that's manifesting. Sure. <laughs> but at the end of the day, that's the reality of it, right? right. And so how, how do I deal with that? Bro, I do my breathing exercises. If you want to learn about breathing exercises, this is How to Think Like a Monk by J.A. Shetty. Mm. Okay, so you do your breathing exercises. I did breathing exercises all day long. I also had intuition. My intuition kept speaking these words. I won't ever let you down, Angie. Mm. So when I listen inside my head, that's what I hear. Mm. Now that's on the spiritual side. I won't ever let you down, Angie. That's so important for me to hear in times of panic. Because guess what? I don't know who's speaking. It's God. It's the universe. It's me. But I won't let myself down. Mm. Okay? So that's secondary. And then third of all is just cutting off anything that really distracts that for me so i'm going to be shutting down my phone for a little bit i'm going to be calmer at home i'm going to choose music that's a little calmer i'm going to sit in the sun instead of inside so those are the tools that i use i have been using these tools for many years so it's a lot easier for me to go to those tools but that's to say if you're beginning in your line of work in your development and in your own personal growth this doesn't happen overnight you know, these are tools that I've been using since I was 18. I'm 41 now. These are all tools that have taken time that at 41, I finally get to say, oh, I know what to do right now. I need mm. to breathe four in, four out, 10 times. We're going to do that four times a day. And so those are the tools that just come naturally to you after you've done them for a really long time. The reps. That's really good. That's a great note to end on. Um, this business is stressful, life is stressful, and having those tools in your back pocket um, will ensure you a great attitude. You have a great attitude and a great story, and it was really a pleasure speaking with you today. Oh, yes, thank you. And you know what? I feel bad because I feel like we didn't hit on the, the real estate agents too hard, but I will tell you that if you're a starter real estate agent, just having that faith that this business is a long-term commitment. This is not a three-month thing. This is not a six-month thing. Ever think of Monopoly? Like, you remember playing Monopoly and playing for four hours. You're like, screw it, you know? Like, just committing to playing Monopoly because that's really real estate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great, great tidbit. If somebody wants to, like, connect with you, learn more from you, where do they find you? So on social media, there's different platforms that I use. Of course, I have LinkedIn, Angie Morales Link, but you can also check out my face or Facebook page, Angie Morales Link Realtor. Um, if you'd like to get some ideas on posts and videos, you can go to my videos and go to 2017. You'll see tons of videos on how I got started. 
a shaky, shaky little selfie stick there. Uh, <laughs> but it worked. But it worked. And then we have Instagram, of course, Angie Morales Inc. Realtor. And then also on the other projects that we have in the Pink House Clarksville, um, the old Clarksville house on Instagram. And on TikTok, it is Angie M. Link. Awesome. Thank you, Angie. You're so welcome. Thank you. <laughs>